the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Situation Report today. Very glad to have you joining me. This is the show where we do our best three times a week to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stalnecker. I am your host. And today we are going to discuss something that perhaps you're well aware of, maybe you spent a lot of time thinking about and talking about. And if not, you have at least heard the phrase, the Great Reset. We're going to talk about the Great Reset today. This is a conversation we have had kind of on the periphery with other guests uh, over the last several months. But today we're going to spend an entire episode talking about the Great Reset, the World Economic Forum, what it is, uh, really what can be done about the policies that the World Economic Forum is pushing and is behind. Very, very grateful to have on with us a guest who has not only thought about this, studied it, understands it, has done a docuseries, and it's coming out in sections that we uh, have access to. My guest today is Kean Simone. He is a filmmaker with Rebel News, and uh, so grateful to have him on and to get his perspective on what is happening right now around the world. My guest today is Kean Simone. For those of you that are not familiar with Kean, he is a filmmaker with Rebel News, uh, doing some incredible work there. You need to go check that out. His bio says that he is an enthusiastic ex-conformer, which is awesome. I want to talk about that as well. Uh, video experience obtained in the music industry. He seeks to restore Canadian patriotism in the younger generations and create digestible content targeted toward younger Audiences recently produced the Great Reset docuseries. Kian, thanks for joining us. Really, really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Good to be here. Uh, so much I want to talk about, um, but let's uh, let's start with your background a little bit. I'd love to hear kind of how you got into uh, what you're doing and then uh, leading into your first story with Rebel News. Um, for our audience, uh, what... Canadian pastors, Canadian Christians, churches in Canada are dealing with. That's something we've talked about often, and uh, I know you're well acquainted with that as well. So if you can give us kind of your background, how you got into this, and then let's let's talk about some of that. Yeah, well, I picked up a camera in 2018. Uh, would have been uh, 19 at the time. And uh, I just, uh, I loved it, and I wanted to do travel videos. And I, I did a few. I went to mm. Cuba. I went to uh, New York City. Just did some great videos and um it was, it was more so my one of my best friends who was the camera guy. I was just kind of helping out, learning what to do. And then uh, I went on my own after that, and I started to get into the music industry a bit. Um, I got with some pretty big names. Like, I, I was up there with uh, The Weeknd. He's a big artist up here. Um, mm. and I was sitting I was sitting in the same rooms as, as Drake. Um, and I, I was wow. like, wow, I'm, I'm really, I made it, right? I never yeah, made a right. dollar. And nobody respected <laughs> me. And then uh, yeah. Donald Trump um, kind of caught my eye. And I was like, mm. whoa, I think I like politics now. It was just out of the blue. And I just became very political. And uh, I turned the camera around and I said, um, I'm not going to help the people who don't care about me. I'm going to um, be someone who can help other people. And then wow. uh, I went to rebelnews.com and I I, uh, I applied. And 
six wow. months later, here I am. Um, yeah, so my, my first day was at Arthur Pavlovsky's church. Uh, when the cops, you know, stormed in and said, hey, we're, uh, we're serving you. And then uh, he said, well, you know, what a pastor says, screw you, get out of my church. <laughs> and uh, I think it was two hours later he got arrested. And, and that was my introduction yeah. to uh, the news. So it, it's been yeah. it's very exciting since then. Um, not in good ways and not in bad ways sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. When you, so growing up, so it's interesting you would see Donald Trump and say, I think I'm interested in politics and I want to follow this. And and Rebel News, obviously very conservative uh, news outlet and presents conservative news to the rest of us. Um, were you raised in an environment that was conservative? Did your parents teach you to think critically and conservatively? Or was that something you just compared to what you were doing, said there's got to be more. My, my mom and dad both taught me to work hard. Um, mm. And that, that, was, that was as far as it went as to uh, shaping my mind uh, when I was a kid. Yeah. No, no one was, you know, there, there was no uh, overarching, um, you know, hard religious stuff. Um, there was no conservative stuff. It was, if you want to believe in God, believe in God. If you, yeah. wherever you want to go, you can go. Uh, I must confess, I, I, as I said in my bio, I'm an ex-conformer. I would have voted for Justin Trudeau in 2017 um i still believe to this day i'm an old school liberal i believe in yeah. freedom um, yeah what what they used to believe in right and uh but but obviously I, I lean to the right now it's it's this is where the right has become so this is where i am i i think i'm politically homeless because i can't vote for anybody in my country hmm. yeah. um but but yeah I, I, i'd say i'm conservative but no not raised Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. As you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now Mike has done it again by introducing his My Slippers. For a limited time, you will save $90 on a pair of My Slippers. This blowout sale of the year won't last, so order now. Mike has taken two years to develop the My Slippers, and they are designed to wear both indoor and out all day long. Made with MyPillow Foam and Impact Gel to help prevent fatigue, they are also made with quality leather suede. Call 1-800-870-0283, use the promo code SITREP, or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code SITREP. This offer will not last long, so order now with promo code SITREP at MyPillow.com. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I think... Um, so I, I've had this conversation a lot with friends. I consider myself to be conservative. I would say that. And, you know, in the United States, that means something very specific. There's left, there's right. You're conservative or liberal, right? But 
but really at heart, I, I am what would be an old school liberal. I mean, I, I believe, as you do, in freedom. I believe in individual rights. I believe uh, that people should be able to uh, pursue whatever path they think they should pursue in front of them. But we've become so polarized, that's that's not what liberalism is anymore. And I would argue that's not what conservatism, uh, conservatism is anymore to, to some degree. It's very very political, and it has very little to do with individual rights and individual freedoms. Um, watching what, what has happened in Canada, particularly with the churches, and I, I come from a church background. Um, I pastored for a while, so I, I have a lot of pastor friends. I'm a lot very interested in what's happening with the church. Um, that's been very confusing, I think, to a lot of people in the United States, because that's kind of the one area that the line has been drawn, and and uh, even, you know, I'm in California, which is very liberal, but pastors in California in the last couple of years have said, like, no, we're not going to do that. You can arrest us if you want to. And the government has threatened and made noise and done a lot of things, but has not arrested, has not done any of that. Um, can you kind of talk about what happened, what led up to that, and, and where that stands right now? I was told two weeks ago that there are a series of pastors, a number of pastors in Canada that have huge fines in the millions that they are really trying to deal with right now. Can you kind of outline some of that? Yeah, and it wasn't every church it wasn't every pastor it was the pastors who said i'm opening my church you know i'd say those are the real pastors who said Mm. during COVID 19 when um, people like myself weren't allowed into um places of establishment i i I, because of my medical choices and the church said well you know you can come here uh some churches at least uh pastor arthur pavlowski for instance said you come here this is this is where you can come and you can be with people i'm never going to say um put a mask on if you don't want to wear a mask. I'm never right. going to say, oh, we already have 15 people here. You can't come in because that's not what the church is about. And um, that, that uh, what, what's the word here? That ignites a, a sense of, oh, you know, we can defy this. And the government, right. um, especially here in Alberta, said, uh, no, this isn't going to happen. You're, mm. you're a pastor. You follow the law as well, even though that law wasn't really a, a law. It was a mandate. It was a, it was a, you're yeah. going to listen to us no matter who you are. And I got to hand it to them, at least that they stood strong to that. Um, sure. and, and they got all the way up to the church, which <laughs> is as terrible as it sounds. Um, but yeah, um, it was Pastor Archie Pawlowski spent 52 days in jail. Um, Pastor James Coates, I believe, was 49 in solitary confinement. And uh, now there's a church in the Vine. It's also up near Edmonton, but three hours north of Calgary. Um, I believe the pastor's wife is facing three criminal charges and they mm-hmm. they got the charges down to i believe don't quote me on this 180 grand um from wow. way higher and wow. and those are things that the government aren't backing down on so now pastor artipoleski as some may know is a free man um minus that little mischief stuff which mm-hmm. uh you know it gets tossed out anyway it's uh but all of his charges are gone and uh things are slowly turning around and the courts are slowly turning around but the government is still standing very strong on what they did and they believe what they did was right. Has the actions or have the actions of the government uh, awakened Canadian people to the need to stand up and stand against these things? I think in the United States that certainly happened. A lot of people who have taken freedom for granted and just, you know, people that don't vote and people that are like, that's that's politics, that's not me. A lot of people have been awakened um, and we've seen that across the board from school boards and city councils to state and national politics. Has a movement like that begun in Canada? Do you see this changing over the next couple of years? 
so from the American perspective, Canada used to be the great country up north. And then for a while there, it was just the country up north. And then in January, Justin Trudeau enacted a mandate for uh, unvaccinated truckers to quarantine after two weeks um, after they Mm. returned from, let's say, California and and were just delivering goods. Um, That made it logistically impossible for them to work and feed their family. So um, as probably everybody in your country, whether they like it or not, has heard of the trucker convoy where Canada once again became Mm. the great country up north from the States. Um, we saw yeah. hundreds and thousands of people on bypasses over highways and, and tens of thousands of trucks who blocked every, every which and way just to get to Ottawa from uh, BC, yeah. which is 4,000 kilometers. It's a 48-hour drive straight. Wow. Wow. Um, and it, that, that ignited this, this country into, a, into what you would call like a, an awakening to uh, government overreach. Um, it was actually where I really made a name for myself, too, as a journalist. Um, I was there at the Coots blockade um, mm. when uh, Coots and Sweetgrass, it's Alberta and, and Montana, where 500 truckers blocked the border. I was embedded mm. in there um, for nine days straight. Mm. I was the only journalist. And uh, that's when mm. I saw as, you know, just, just interactions of just going on Twitter one day and seeing how many people were just on my page alone, let alone Rebels, which was 400 million. I think that's 10. I can I, I'm not very good at math, but we have 36 million people in Canada. So 400 wow. million means that almost every Canadian was watching plus America and the world. And I, I think that that was really the pivotal moment where, where things turned around here and people woke up. And after that mandate started to, to recede and in Alberta, the, the day of the last day of the, the, the real uh, blockade, all of our vaccine mandates, all of our masks, everything left. And that oh, was because people incre- stood up. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, I had uh, I interviewed uh, last week the founders and owners of Give Send Go, the platform that uh, the truckers used. And uh, man, what an incredible story from their perspective as they, uh, you know, worked with those folks and, and tried to navigate that and had no idea uh, what they were walking into. Incredible, <laughs> incredible story. Um, Man, we'll continue to watch that, of course, but uh, what I wanted to talk about today and what, why you came on today was to talk about your docuseries, The Great Reset. Um, can you talk to us about that? What led you into doing that? Why you decided to do that? And um, then I'd love to talk about what The Great Reset is and talk about the World Economic Forum and some of those aspects. But why did you decide to get into this docuseries in particular? Yeah, so when COVID first started, um, my dad was very uh, on, on the side of, you know, extreme like what just just saying the most mundane things and he he kept mm. you know we'd have all these conversations and um he bought me the book COVID 19 the great reset by klaus schwab and i had no idea who yeah. klaus schwab was i've heard of the economic forum just in passing yeah. right i've yeah. i felt like i had bigger things to worry about in my own country not realizing who who they were and what kind of influence they had anyway uh, uh two years went by and one of my uh, best buddies at work he uh, he just posted a picture in our, in our in our chat, and he said, "I'm reading this book." And I was like, "No way! I have that book too." So I picked it up, <laughs> and yeah. uh, we kind of just talked about it a little bit. And then I'm like, "What the hell is the Great Reset?" Right? Try to search online. Uh, yeah. There's, there's a few uh, videos, and I'm like, "No one's really done anything about this." Mm. Uh, maybe Glenn Beck. He did like a cool hour thing. And I was like, "No one's really did a deep dive of every aspect of it." And Dave was like, let's do it, my buddy at work. Yeah. Let's do it. And I'm like, okay. 
So we found uh, we got another journalist in, within Rebel News who's got a nice accent to narrate it, and we just started <laughs> we started uh, doing some scripts and and putting it together. And, and to be honest with you, the first one just kind of just like a miracle fluke. We we didn't it wasn't on our on our forefront of of uh, priorities, and we just kind of did it after hours. And then I edited it in just like three days. And I was just like, let's see wow. if we can put this up, and it wow. ended up going viral. And people asked for more and more and more. So. Um, that's where we are now. We're, we're now we have a, a, a an actual base who's who's anticipating the next episode. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and we want to encourage people, obviously, to watch the documentary. But <laughs> can you give me a simple definition of what the Great Great Reset is? I've had so many conversations about this, and I've talked to people who are on, you know, kind of the the what I would say in the conspiracy hole where, you know, they have very strong opinions about what is happening and how it's happened. And then other people who are saying it's, it's all made up. It's not real. Um, can you define for us what that is or what the goal of that is, where that comes from? It's, uh, I can put it in simpler terms first and then I'll, and then I'll jump in. It's just a redefinition of our society as, uh, in, in the eyes of, of, I'd like to say the elite, um, Mm. the great reset, it spawned in 2014 from Klaus Schwab. And it, it kind of unraveled over the years until they needed an excuse of why they would actually be able to enact a great reset of uh, yeah. all the pillars of our society. So the five pillars of the great reset would be economic, environmental, technological, geopolitical, and societal. And what was the one worldwide phenomena that affected each and every one of those was mm. COVID-19. Yeah. Yeah. I, do I say that they have anything to do with each other? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but it sure is being used as an excuse to enact sure. uh, legislature um, or influence governments to enact legislature um, based on, on on what makes sense in their uh, radical left ideology. So um, what, where we've been diving into is just really just an introduction of the great of the World Economic Forum, the Great Reset, in the documentary, and then now we're on the technological aspect of it, which is, mm. um, in my opinion, we should have left for last because it's the most exciting and entertaining part. Where all there are all these ideas of of this it's called the fourth industrial revolution, um, which we're basically living in right now. You know the third industrial yeah. revolution where it's you know machines and, and factories and we're just kind of right. getting on this role of mass production. Right. And then the fourth industrial revolution is kind of scaling that back on the human aspect and replacing it with AI and robots is uh, the simplest way to put that. Um, it, it goes into uh, digital surveillance and, and digital identity. Uh, digital ID, as, as many uh, have heard that term, like these are very real things that they want to do. Yeah. They've written a book about it. They've um, had uh, consultations with governments about which we at Rebel News have done, um, like Freedom of Information Act, as, as if you would know it, called NATIP here, um, yeah. where they actually have conversations with Justin Trudeau, it's Klaus Schwab himself, and, and World Economic Forum that give them talking points on on gender ide- ideology and and. It's it's such a, a weird thing that it's I I feel bad for you if you think it doesn't it doesn't exist yeah because everybody should know that this exists it's real who is Klaus Schwab and why is it that he has the ear of world leaders and I'm sure that leads then into what is the World Economic Forum but where did he come from where did his ideology develop and and how did he coalesce this platform of global leaders. Henry Kissinger in 1968. Don't quote me on the on the year. Sure. There was yep. a, um, a Harvard, a CIA-funded Harvard program. 
and Klaus Schwab was one of the only Germans in um, basically the program because it was right after the war. Um, mm. Not a lot of Germans were here. Yeah. Um, and Klaus Schwab said basically that's what made him stand out to Henry Kissinger. And at that time, um, there was something called the European Symposium, Euro- European Communion Symposium, um, where basically they wanted to transition that. Like it, it was it was a literal um, a, a collaboration from these huge, like the Bilderberg Group, like these huge names that are thrown around in conspiracy circles that people just kind of wave off as, oh, you know, you're just a conspiracy yeah. theorist if you talk yeah. about this. But these are, Bilderberg Group is a real group. It's a big group full of very rich people who kind of influenced this um, European symposium to become the World Economic Forum and installed Klaus Schwab. Like he's not this, you know, smart guy who who created it himself. It, it was these big names, um, John Gold, Golden. I can't even think of his name. It's it's very uh, hard to pronounce. The guy sure. who was, uh, you know, uh, doing stuff with the nuclear bombs in World War Two. Like these guys were the guys who who propped up Klaus Schwab from the CIA funded Harvard program to become the leader of the World Economic Forum, which has always been a a, a pipe dream for you know the CIA these 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 intelligence communities to be able to get all of these very high-profile leaders to get into this one room, right? You can kind of connect the dots of why um, mm. intelligence communities would want this. And then it evolved into what the World Economic Forum doing of of working with um, the Rockefeller Group of their first big um, introduction to the world was their book Limits to Growth, which is basically talking about the world that's overpopulated. We need to kind of get the number down a little bit is, is uh, the nice way of putting it. And, and the World Economic Forum and, and the Rockefeller Group and the Bilderbergs kind of just had this weird three-way of, of um, bringing in world leaders. And that has evolved in today, to today where every single year they meet in Davos yep. and they just talk about issues. And this is where um, the conspiracy theorists can, can jump in and say, oh, but what about behind closed doors? What about this? It's like, no, they, 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 they say it in those forums. But nobody watches them. I don't. Right. I don't know why. How they get the money to do this? Because nobody cares. Nobody yeah. watches them. You know, it's it's almost like people like us are the only people that watch them. Mm. You go their numbers on YouTube. Nobody watches them. So it's it's literally just. A, I'm kind of going on a rant here, so I'll, I'll let you jump in that's and a ask the question. No, but, that's a good rant. <laughs> yeah, the, the, that's what the World Economic Forum is. It's literally just a conglomerate of elites who talk about yearly issues that are themed. And 2020 being themed the Great Reset. It's, uh, I think, one of the hard things to understand, and why this falls into often the the grouping of conspiracy theory, is because a lot of us have a hard time understanding what the actual goal is. When you look at um, the World Economic Forum, the conversations held at Davos, um, guys like Klaus Schwab and others, um, it, it, is there a a philosophical motivation. They believe fundamentally that the world is not the way that it should be, and so they're going to influence however they can to get it to where it should be. Or is there something more sinister at work? They're trying to uh, gain or regain power. It's, it has something to do with with money. What what's their ultimate motivation? I guess is the easiest way to ask it. Yeah, well, I, I'd like to start by saying I firmly believe that ninety percent of people at the World Economic Forum. And 50% of people who go aren't bad people and believe that they're doing good things. Mm. They believe that the world is on fire. They believe that we have 10 years left as a species. 
they believe yeah. that we need to do radical changes to fix our uh, our pillars of society. But that being said, the 10% people at the top of the World Economic Forum, that being Klaus Schwab or Yuval Noah Harari or the collaborator Bill Gates, I believe that these are mm. able people who who have um, who have a real goal, and and that real goal is the Great Reset. I don't think that there is an end goal of of numbers that they want to hit. I think that it is just a, a redefining of our society to take away civil liberties and freedoms. And not in the sense of like, oh, these are dictators, but in the sense of like, they think that this is what we need. Yeah. You know, I don't think that when, yeah. when this great reset happens, um, Klaus Schwab is going to be the world leader of, of everybody, right? And everybody's going to bow to him. Like that, I think that's, that's a in, insane way to look at it. Yeah. But, it, but it is a way of how they have so much influence in our cabinets, all of our cabinets around the world with uh, their young global leader program of, of just, bringing in um, young people like Justin Trudeau and then propping them up to become a leader so that they can enact legislature under their influence to what um, that's let's use an example of uh, Justin Trudeau wants to uh, regulate the media. He's already, he's already passing through bills that he wants to regulate our media. And why would they want to do that? Well, because people like me um, say yeah, things right. that Justin Trudeau right. doesn't like, and that hurts the great reset. Yeah. Right. I don't think that I don't think that those things aren't connected, and that can go all the way around the world to the Netherlands with Mark Rutte, of um, his food innovation hubs, of of cutting nitrogen down of farmers thirty percent so that they have to kill off their livestock so that they can't produce food, and then people have to look at World Economic Forum um, um, programs like Food Innovation Hub for food. So yeah. it's money, and it's and we know what's best for you. You have to eat our bugs. You have to eat our cultured meat. You <laughs> right. cannot eat your meat because meat is bad for you and it hurts animals. Like it's yeah. it all goes full circle. Yeah, um, man, you said so much there. That's that's important. You mentioned <laughs> the um, the young leaders program. People in our country, um, surprising people like Dan Crenshaw and others who are you know, apparently very conservative. They deny that this is a thing. And um, Ivanka Trump. And, uh, right. The folks that we would look to as their conservative leaders. Um, why are they involved in this? Is it wh which which mask is not the real one for them? Yeah, I always use, use this analogy of Donald Trump going in 2020 to Davos or yeah, it was 2020. He gave a great speech. Yep. I listened to the entire thing with a smile. Yep. When would I yep. ever do that to the World Economic Forum? <laughs> it kind of goes back to the, the that theme I was talking about, how 90% of people who work at the Economic Forum aren't bad, and 50% of people who go aren't bad. So Elon Musk went in like 2013. Um, you know, wh whatever we think about Elon Musk, like it, it's, he's not um, objectively a bad person, like a, a bad person when it comes to our political views or, or what we think of for the, the survival of our industries. Yep. Right. So I think that the Young Global Leaders Program can also be applied to that of if Ivanka Trump was in it. And I think it was 2006. Don't quote me on that. Of, uh, you know, who was the World Economic Forum 16, 17 years ago? We don't really like maybe they were talking about some radical changes and, and they sure. were kind of prepping for a financial crisis in 2008. And they were they were, you know, like, does that mean that she's bad because um, 
a, a very influential program on the other side of the world said, hey, we think that you're a, a great candidate for, mm. for future in politics or future in industry. Um, would you like to come here for some forums and, and to speak with people about that? And then we'll recognize you as a young global leader that in the future you'll be a great person. Right. Yeah, I'm going to go, right? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 like, and, and sorry to get weirdly dark, but the, 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 the guy who wants to party and Jeffrey Epstein says, I got an island. Yeah. You want to yeah. come party? Yeah. He's going to go to the party on the island on the big, beautiful jet, right? Right. We don't, we don't know uh, off the top of what, what they were, what they wanted at that time, what, what they were, uh, wanted of you. So I, I wouldn't say if you're a young global leader, that means that you're automatically bad. Yeah. But yeah. look at Dan Crenshaw. Look at, you know, yeah. look at Peter Buttigieg or however you say his name. Like yeah. These, these yeah. people are. We try not left. to say his name, but yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it, it's funny here you you use the Epstein analogy because it really is um, it's grooming in a sense, and, and maybe that's exactly what it is. It's pulling people in who have good intentions. Uh, I, we talk about this a lot, you know, in, and I'm sure this is in governments everywhere, but certainly in the United States, you have people who say all the right things before they get into office, then they're elected into political office and and things change and it's I don't think it's that they have changed per se but the influences on them have changed them and um, you know how many people get involved in programs like this with the best of intentions but then you get around the wrong people who make sense and and uh, you you're manipulated um, I have a great example of that if I can yeah. jump in our um, our premier which is our governor of, of Alberta uh, Jason Kenney he was the proposed Donald Trump of Canada. Mm. He's the reason why I moved to Alberta. I loved the guy. He said all the right things. He yep. he, he did everything so perfect in in my mm. eyes. With you know a few whatever mishaps of politicians screw up, you got, you can forgive them for some things. Sure. And in December 2020, um, he held up the COVID 19 Great Reset book, and he said, mm. "Klaus Schwab sent me this." basically said this is bs you know this this is this is a radical left this is terrible um yep. we will never have this in alberta um and you know for a leader to do that say klaus schwab sent me this i'm not going to read it we're not going to do this here it kind of it kind of helps you you know okay that's that's good thank you yep. thank you for being the only person who did that yeah and uh two months later three months later um pastor Archbovsky gets arrested mm. Five months, like uh, one month later after that, James Coates gets arrested. Yep. The the serious COVID crackdown comes in Alberta, the most freest, prosperous place in Canada, the conservative capital of Canada, where these things were always pushed away from Jason Kenney said, we're never going to lock down. We're never going to do this. There won't be vaccine passports here. And then boom, after he said that about the Great Reset, everything that am I am I making weird coincidences here? Am I connecting mm. dots that don't exist? Right? It's it's a, it's an odd it's an odd odd phenomenon. So understanding that it does work that way, and I I don't think most of us have access or even a comprehension of the the level of influence. Um, and influence is probably. Um, you know, dumbing it down, right? Like, like for things like that to happen, for him to change course, for our politicians to change course, for the influence of the World Economic Forum to happen. Uh, when we say influence, I think it's, you know, I don't want to get into the 
conspiracy world because I don't know, but um, it's something strong enough to cause people who have taken very public stands to change course 180 degrees. So there is something at work. How do we as citizens, whether it's of Canada or the United States or anywhere else in the world, how do we stand against that? And how do we prevent um, the World Economic Forum or whatever the arm of that is that's pushing the Great Reset? How do we prevent them from having the influence in our governments that they currently do and to prevent more down the road? Well, you're, uh, you're making me uh, give up the, the ending of the docuseries here, but I'm happy to, <laughs> well, I'm happy to do so. No, I'm yeah, happy to do it so. It's, it's important. I'm very happy to do so. How it ends is called Quantum Politics. It's written in the book. It's written in the COVID-19 Great Reset book. Quantum politics basically means that with ever-growing population, every single person, no matter where you stand on the spectrum, every single person has a different line in the sand. Every single person has a different mm. wants and needs and dreams and aspirations. All of us, whether it's, it's me to you where we can agree on 99% of things but disagree on 1%, we will never be fully compatible to be able to be in the same room and talk about every single subject, Right. So if they right. they understand that them pushing these things on people like us, that's going to make us come together and use our inherent need mm. as humans to strive for freedom. Every single dictator has fallen. Yeah, They always yeah. fall. And yeah. that will be the same for the technocrats. They know that quantum politics is, is the end of them. And what we need to do is just to continue being us. Is to just to not conform because the conformity is what takes away that that human vow that that human part inside of us that makes us disagree on things and makes us agree. But I think the disagreeance is is extremely important because compliance is agreeing in in a sense. And and sure, getting the getting the shot was one thing, but showing your papers is another. Mm. It's feeding that system, and they know that there's people like me and maybe people like you who who would never give in to that just because they right. say to do it, right? Right. And they can't they they know they can't get rid of us. They can silence us and they can make us be quiet in, in other ways. Uh whether that's through the media, right? Just just taking our platform off. But right. but there's there's a great um uh, analogy that I always use is that two hundred and eighty million people are on Twitter. Four hundred something like four hundred million are on Facebook. And I'm not sure about Instagram, but it's up there too. That's not a lot of people. Right. Really think about how many people that is. It's not a lot of people. Yeah. How many other people are in the world who you've never heard their side of the story? You've never heard what their dreams, aspirations are, and you've never heard their line in the sand. We need to broaden our our our, our view of of how big this world is and how many mm. different people there are that can like sure maybe five. Uh, sorry, four of the five pillars of the Great Reset, someone will say, yes, that, that makes sense, until it comes into the societal yeah. pillar, let's say, right. where maybe they're um, a, a, a scarlet-collar worker, right? Maybe they're in, um, they're doing, they're getting naked on a camera, and that's how they make their money. And, and we, we can all disagree with that as, as, as being, as being a, a way to make money and, and being a bad influence on people. But... They will stand up toward. They will stand up against this once they can't do that anymore, right? Like you need to. We need to think about how many different people there are. And to go full circle, quantum politics. They've accepted this as as their failure. They're going to go through anyway, and that's how we know that there's no end goal. They're going to get as far as they can before they realize that they've hit the 
at the wall. Yeah, that's uh, that's probably the most hopeful um, <laughs> <laughs> assessment I've heard of the Great Reset and, and how it all plays out. A lot of people have just said, well, it's happening or it's here or we're too far gone. Um, well, but it's going to happen, right? The yeah. technological reset is happening as we speak. It's the first one. And I think a lot of aspects of it are great. You know, they want to 3D print things. This is awesome. You know, sure. 3D print uh, 3D print an arm for all I care for a veteran. Yeah, right. You know, that's an amazing innovation that, that we should all be um, so happy about. But then then they want to uh, 3D print an arm to, to uh, make someone stronger, right? Just because they don't need to be, but they want to be. Then that's yeah. when we have to really draw the line and say, we don't, yeah. maybe we don't, we shouldn't do that. Maybe that's wrong. Yeah. Right. There's there's many aspects yeah. of of this that they want to do that we have to that we have to look at and say we have the power as 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 the people, and and we're we want you know these innovations to happen because they're the ones putting them through, and we have to change that so that we are the ones who are who are using their scientists and their top minds, um for the for the better of humanity and not for their their vision of what they want yeah. for humanity. That's good. I think fundamentally. Um, People that understand that freedom and sovereignty, individual sovereignty, is not given by the government, but that we're born with that. It's a gift from God. Uh, yeah. Those are two very different approaches to what we're talking about. And if you think that the government gives that, gives that then you, you pursue that. And if you believe that it's a sovereign right as an individual to be free, and you know we talk about the pursuit of happiness per our Declaration of Independence, if you believe that, um, it will be difficult. It will be hard. There will be, you know, some loss. Um, but freedom will always prevail. And uh, that is a very hopeful look on that. Ken, um, I could talk to you about this all day, but <laughs> um, I know you can't stay all day. So where can people find uh, your work, find the docuseries, and uh, really just follow follow what you're into? Yeah, uh, if everybody goes to exposetheresetcom everything is there. Um, Links to the the trailers, the do, the docu series, awesome. and uh, uh, if you want to follow me personally, I, I'm more active on Twitter, Kean Simone44. Um, I, I I think that you know most of what I share is about this stuff anyway, so I I, I think I'm very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that, that's where you can find me most. But awesome. um, just a quick pitch here, I'm uh, my next documentary that's coming out next Friday is is about uh, our time in the Netherlands. Uh, we sent a team over there for what the Great Reset actually mm. looks like rather than um, what the book's about. So uh, we, we went there for the Farmer Rebellion and uh documentary yeah. coming out next yeah. Friday. FarmerDocumentary.com is where you can watch the trailer for that. And, awesome. and I'm very excited for that because um, it, it all comes full circle. That's fantastic. You are very interesting. So, <laughs> so I'm glad <laughs> you feel that way because you are. Uh, Keen Simone, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. And hopefully we can talk again. Awesome, man. Thank you for having me on. Yes, sir. Many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. We've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, 
These men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Really grateful for that conversation, that interview. Please go and follow Kian. Um, follow him on Twitter. Puts out a bunch of great content. And, and then I won't say more than that, but also <laughs> find the docuseries. Uh, these are issues that can just kind of happen behind the scenes. And while they're happening behind the scenes and we're doing something else, the world is changing. And we need to be aware of not only what is happening, but what we can do to recognize it and stand against some of these things. Uh, I appreciate that Kian mentioned not all of this is bad. I mean, some of these policies are helpful policies. They're good policies. But when it comes to restricting individual liberties, individual rights, or government imposing policies on us that we uh, are not in favor of or that prevent us from living out uh, the life that we believe we've been called or created to live, there's a problem, and we need to know what to do about that. Um, understanding at every level there are things that can be done. Very grateful for that conversation. Thank you for listening. Really appreciate it. If you are not yet subscribed to this podcast, make sure you subscribe right now. You're listening from somewhere. There's a subscribe button. Go ahead and push that. You're subscribed. And uh, we'd love to make sure that you have every episode, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of every single week. A lot of great guests, a lot of great conversations. And uh, my hope is that these will be helpful conversations for you and your Family, again, thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.